Welcome back, everyone, to the Black and Black, 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 Blackity, Black and Black, 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 Black and Brown, Black, Black, podcast. Yo, what up, y'all? This is Joe. What's poppin', everyone? What's up with it? Dímelo, pero dímelo cantando. Mary D here. Um, okay, I want to jump right into this because. Uh, shit, I got a call <laughs> in a little bit. <laughs> Putting you on. Joe, what are we doing? So, we just found out that 545 children who were separated from their families by ICE and Border Patrol throughout the last two years of Trump's zero tolerance policy haven't been able to be re- reunited with their families. Uh, More recently, the government via the Justice Department and ACLU have been working to reunite these families. Um, Keep in mind, this is only a a small subset. For those of you that do not remember about the zero tolerance policy, this was Trump's initiative to criminalize those that were coming over into the U.S. looking for safety, pretty much, and new horizons, new beginnings, looking for that American dream. Yeah, and no shade, but if you don't remember the zero tolerance policy, you don't have your eyes open and you're not awake. I mean, and I don't, I'm not talking about woke. I mean, like you just didn't get up this morning because people have been talking about kids in cages and all of this for years. Um, I'll just say that it's just crazy, right? Like this is not the first time that this has happened. This is a system that purposely does this the blood of these children, the blood of these families is on this administration's hand. This is a, yeah, it's it's just, it's awful. It's terror. It's, you know, devastating. And really, you know, it's a war crime. It's a crime against, you know, humanity. It's a crime against um, migrant people. It's a crime against uh, our people and we just can't stand for it. So uh, um, I think it's great that the ACLU has um, this lawsuit and, you know, has made this happen. And also understanding that money is um, a part of, of no, nah, it's a part of, but it ain't going to make everything great. You know yeah, what I mean? Like absolutely. it's, there's so much psychological trauma and baggage and um, just, it's it it won't you know stop at just getting a bag the bag you know is not gonna be enough yeah what i also found interesting was they're prosecuting the parents of children harder than they are adults that are just coming over looking for for a new life so automatically there's going to be some sort of turmoil long term uh, due to the fact that you're separating children from their families and they got to grow up at some point, right? So currently where they are, they're still in detention centers or they've been placed with some sort of uh, housing. Someone who's trying to make a bag off of our kids. And what right, I'll tell right. you- Some is, sort of sponsor. Yeah, what I'll tell you is that this is not the first time that the U.S. has done this. Uh, we don't have to go very far at all to see other uh, examples. You know, we look at um, the Middle Passage. We look at the African Holocaust. And we know that family separation is something that has been um, in practice in this country forever right and so when we're talking about the black and brown get down when we're talking about the shared story that we have while it's not the same experience while it's not at the same time there is something there right that we understand and these issues uh you know can um be thought of and fought through in the same way and understood in the same way and so um i just say that to say you know um it is completely terror And this is, you know, like I said, um, a violation of human rights. And um, the U.S. has has done this before. It's completely... um, It's part of the country's blood. 
Yeah, and it's, you know, it's just uh, embarrassing that, it's not even embarrassing, it's just like, it's weak as fuck. Yeah. You know, uh, Lord, God I hope my, ridiculous, I, right? I hope my mom like, never listened to this podcast, my mouth is so filthy, but that, you know, we would need a court-appointed steering committee to locate families, like, come on, that's right. just too much, right. you know? Like, this is what they've been doing for for years upon years. And it's I, I find it really interesting how they refer to these people as illegal immigrants. But, hey, you didn't you weren't born in the United States. Y'all came over here on ships, too. And then you took other people from... Looking for spices and shit. Right. And, like, and then your chicken's on, still bland. And then your right. chicken's still bland. <laughs> and you don't watch the chicken. And they don't wash their chicken. Listen, okay, I'm going to tell y'all right now. If you don't wash your chicken, and this is how you wash your chicken. I mean, this could have been a whole rising ritual. but this is real. <laughs> if you don't wash your chicken with lemon, lime, and you're like, I don't know what I'm you're doing. Vinegar or something. Like, vinegar, come on. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, you're not only catching salmonella, but you're just nasty. Like, wash your chicken. And you don't put no salt and pepper on that thing? What? No seasoning salt? No. Man, listen, I could do no seasoning, but I can't do no washing. Uh, uh, wash yeah. w- wash your bird. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this administration's trifling ass. Yeah. It's awful. It's, uh, it's terror. And... Um, you know, the United States, uh, the president of the United States, Donald Trump has blood on his hands, uh, is a terrorist uh, to these families. You can't tell me that these children uh, are safe. You can't tell me that these kids who were babies, you know, at one point and now, um, you know, are toddlers, um, feel safe, feel right. whole. Right. Uh, so yeah, you know, my love is with them and, uh, we don't have a choice, but to, you know, chin up and to keep organizing and moving and putting pressure on this so that we can, um, get families reunited. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the ACLU for, for working on this, you know, mm-hmm. tremendous. Yeah, like, you know, our boy Omero, who's from Isla, he was on the last episode. He talks a little bit about this. If you haven't heard the last episode, jump to it. Um, I mean, it's just, it's so important that, like, we start connecting these issues, but then that we also understand um, if we're not being informed by our history and by what we know has happened, then, I mean, we ain't talking about nothing. Uh, we're going to move on to Black Love Brown Pride. Uh, this week we have a very special guest, uh, my homegirl, Chef Wendy Centeno of Guayaba Kitchen. Uh, Chef Wendy Centeno is a Chicana community advocate, chef, partner, and mother. Uh, and my friend. Um, and my new friend. Oh, see, here we go. <laughs> you stay trying to steal my friends. I do friends. Need to steal your friends. <laughs> Lord. Anyway, her culinary home, Guayaba Kitchen, sees food really as a revolution and as a way to claim space in the culinary world while also still remaining true to our roots. It caters to this idea that we are what we cook, recreating recipes um, from our tias, abuelas, and moms. Uh, Guayaba Kitchen teams up with local nonprofits to provide cooking classes and um, with really the focus of decolonizing our foodways and addressing food insecurities in our community, which is so dope. Um, Making what she calls planta foods uh, accessible to her family and her hood. Uh, Wendy was actually going to join us at South by Southwest this year. We had everything ready to go. We were on a panel. It's going to be beautiful. Uh, But COVID asked um came into our lives so now she gets to join us on the podcast uh i'm super excited to have her here give it up give it up you're making horns in the air right and uh you know y'all just heard everything uh that she does in her bio uh, but more than that she is 
family to me and uh, we grew up together and uh, we were best friends in middle school and still are. And your uh, mom hit me on a gram yesterday and <laughs> I was just telling her how much I missed her and how much I miss sopitos and albondigas oh, nice. and chilaquiles and now I'm hungry. <laughs> it's breakfast time. So, right. <laughs> Welcome, <laughs> chef. <laughs> Well, let me tell you something. I um, I made I'm making albondigas today, nice for a friend, and um, I made chilaquiles on Sunday, and then I told my mom que tenía el antojo de sopitos, like I wanted to eat some, and she was like, okay, well, let's make them. So we had some last week too. Yeah, and they were like <clears throat> staples. I mean, I really did. Uh, your family really did help to raise me, and um, so you know. Y'all were a little shady because I was Salvadorian. Um, no, it's not even about that. <laughs> Yo cuando, please. My best friend. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I really did grow up with uh, some of the best um, chefs and uh, it's an honor. And so I want to jump right in and ask you a little bit about... Um, what are your earliest memories of community um, that you draw from and whose spirit do you bring to this work? Um, well, I, for me, community is always like what's immediate to me, which is my family first. Um, so my first like sense of community was always like my mom and my tias, you know, I was raised by my mom and her sister. Um, so that was like, that was my community and my sister, they were like best friends, you know? So it was always like, let's make this to eat and let's invite like our brother, Tio Jose. And um, it was always very like, uh, very like spiritual in the sense that we got together and we like shared each other's energy, but also just like super communal. And like, we all shared food and my mom and my tias, like you said, Mary, they get down like their food. And I know everybody, everybody says that right about their, nah, this their is family level, life. Though. But my mom, my mom and my Pia are very intuitive in the kitchen, you know, and they just, they just get down and they're resourceful and whatever they make is delicious. You know what I mean? So we grew up, I grew up in, in that like type of community of like getting together over food and just like laughing and being like our true selves, you know, with each other. Um, people of your blood, you know? Um, and that's my earliest memory is just like being at my tia's house, my aunt's house, and like, just like waiting for my mom to pick us up, um, at, you know, from school. Cause my tia lived right down the street from the school that we attended, you know? So we would walk home to her house and we wait for my mom to pick us up. And in the meantime, my aunt's making food and she's like, she was very playful with us too. And like, just super funny and like mm-hmm. lively, you know? So she would bring like that energy into her food and still like interact with us. So yeah, that's, that's what I remember the most of like food, like really getting into, into food was at a very early age. And you keep talking about uh, your aunt and I, and I know she's so important, so special to your life. I'd love for you to just talk to us about her and uh, tell us, you know, uh, you know, keep telling the stories about her and her spirit. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. My tia said my, my tia said, yeah. Right. In Spanish. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So this would be English and Spanish y'all because okay. I, I was just, just saying, I don't share. think we've ever had a full on English conversation. You'll hear the chihuahuas okay. in the background. The uh, chihuahuas are here. Up, they're full, um, like action, like the mail carriers coming. So they're like ready to bark. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, dude, like, well, you, Mary, you know all about my Gasted. Like, she, like I was saying, she was just like a person that had so much heart, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Despite, like, all the shit that, that was going on, all the generational trauma, like, she was just, like, she was just a pure, like, kind person. And I feel like everybody has that type of person in their family, you know? Everybody has a, a Tia Ested. Um, but she was just like super nurturing and, and, um, you know, I was raised by her and my mom and like, uh, she was just very, um, very different from my mom. I mean, they're sisters and they're like polar opposites, which is a cool dynamic, you know? Um, but yeah, she raised, she raised me and like, it was always like we would play, um, and we would like uh, pretend and she would really encourage us to use our imagination and just like 
want us to be happy, you know, yeah. which is hard to find in an adult because especially like where I come from, I can't speak for everybody, but like my parents were always in China, you know, they're always working. It was always like, okay, I'm going to buy you this stuff because I love you, but it's not like, let me spend time with you, you know? And so like my tia would do that with us or for my brothers and sisters. Um, but me and her had a really special relationship um, in the sense that like, I was the first female born of her best friend, her sister, you know? So like she would treat me like her daughter and she would make us like a matching clothes when, when I was a baby, <laughs> like she would make herself, <laughs> it was just cool, you know, like a big version of like my polka dotted dress or whatever, you know, which looked like so wild on her, but she was down, you know? So, I <laughs> love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like that on top of like, she was an amazing cook, you know, and whatever she made was just like, how'd you do that? And her husband, my Theo Joe, was Polish um, from Ohio, like first generation Polish American. So he brought that into the into the mix too. He passed away when I was five years old, but I vividly remember so many things about him, even though I was five, you know. Mm. Um, and he brought into the mix his love for food too, but he brought in like American food, which we had no idea what it was like Salisbury steak and shit like that, you know? Um, <laughs> but I thought that was just so cool. Cause it was like, it was another type of food and it was different from like what we were used to eating and it was still good. I'm not hating on Salisbury steak. It was good. Um, and like that just, that just kept like, just kept adding to like the curiosity of food and like the always nurtured it, you know, she would bake with me. She would like help me do this and help me do that. And I was like, okay, I'm down. And she's still like, she's still here in my kitchen when I could. Nice. Yeah. I love it. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. So Guayaba Kitchen, um, mm-hmm. I checked your Instagram. It's popping every day. You got <laughs> something on there different. Um, <laughs> I'm, you know, trying. I'm trying. I was Right. Yeah. You know, you're doing it. Like I was looking, I was like, man, like that looked bomb. And then to hear about it, you know, being vegan or whatnot. So how did yeah. it start? And then with that, what's your relationship with cooking and food and like, how's the journey been in growing this, you know, this, this baby of yours? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I found that there was a huge need in, in, in my community for, for plant-based foods that still taste like foods that our people are accustomed to eating. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I don't have to get into like the studies of like, you know, leading a plant-based diet is super good for you because we all know that, you know what I mean? And, and like our indigenous foods um, before they became colonized were mostly plant-based, you know what I mean? So I, I, I started surveying the community and that was a huge need. You know, a, a lot of the people that were taking my classes were like diabetic or, or, or they had like heart issues or some were recovering from cancer. So it's just like, I need to, I need, I'm doing them a disservice, you know, mm-hmm. by teaching, by teaching um, colonized food ways. Um, so I'm like, let me see what I can do or how I can develop recipes that I know people are going to be down for um, and they're going to want to eat. Uh like when my tia says she got really sick with cancer, she had four stage four breast cancer. Oh, wow. And that really like, that really shifted the way that I looked at food, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, I needed to look at, at food as more of like a medicine and uh, again, reclaiming um, our indigenous food ways, you know? Um, so when she became really sick, it was hard for her to eat, um, especially like hospital food. And y'all know hospital food is notorious for being just nasty, but also right. it's it's very um, Western centric. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not. There's nothing. There's nothing in there that that really feeds the person that's being sick. Mm. You know. Um, so I started sitting with her and like uh, uh, writing down her recipes and mm. and um, and just stuff that that you know foods that she wanted to eat that she was like craving. Um, and I was like, well, let me make it for you. And, and let me, uh, let me veganize it, you know, let me like put some plants in there. And that's how 
my business started shifting, you know, at that point, like I was just starting, I was just like, I'm going to do this, you know, but I don't know, I'm kind of scared. I was like finishing up college that the, um, it was in 2009 and I was finishing up and I was like, that's, um, I can't do that. You know, I can't get into a food industry, like growing up my mom, that's what she did. You know, she worked 30 years in the, in the uh, food industry. And I saw how she struggled and she was like, I don't want you to do this. Like you have to get a desk job and you have to like, you know, take it easy. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to get into food. Um, but my tia being sick and her passing away and just her having so much will to do so many things. I was like, I have to, I have to continue this, you know, because if, if the food that I made for my tia really did help her because she, she enjoyed it. You know what I mean? She was like, I'm going to eat these lentejas, you know, I'm going to eat this guayaba. Um, and, uh, and so that's where I shifted, you know, and I was like, I need to do this for, for my community. I need to make sure that I'm able to teach uh, plant-based recipes and not like push the plant-based lifestyle because I'm not, I'm not vegan. I don't like to say that I'm vegan. Um, I eat meat. Um, but I, I think our main purpose with Wayaba Kitchen is to find that balance, mm-hmm. you know, to find that balance of like, yeah, you can eat, you can eat meat. Um, because you know, our people did eat meat. Um, but it's also, I need to eat way more vegetables. And I feel mm-hmm. like in our community, we, we don't, you know, yeah. um, yeah, and that's our that's 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 why I have a kitchen, and it's and it's guayabas. You know, I, I don't know if y'all have ever smelled the guava, um, uh, and it's guava season right now. There's tons of guayabas nice. growing. Yeah, so guayabas are just like they remind me of like my grandma's kitchen. Mm. You know, they remind me of Mexico, of like the mercados, walking down and just like smelling it in the air, and like that's what I want people to get. Like when they try our food, it's like okay, this tastes like this tastes like home. This takes me somewhere else. Mm. Uh, it fills your soul, like yeah, yeah that's beautiful. That. Yeah, I actually, you know, was joking a little earlier about, um, you know, the back and forth between uh, the Mexican and Salvi dynamic. Um, but I, I think really, as I got older, I really understood it, and I started visiting Mexico a lot more. I was telling someone a couple of days ago. Um, that I understood just the importance of, of Mexico, um, and like the importance of, uh, the civilizations, the technology, the, the science, the culinary genius, the brilliance of Mexico really, and, uh, understanding the, you know, past, the ancient, you know, the past, uh, present and future of Mexico and, and why, you know, uh, being a kid in California, like if you're not from Mexico, you're like, why are these people so damn arrogant? And they're not, it was just like, yeah, you're going to stand upright. If you understand your history, if you understand the roots, yes, you Mm -hmm. know, and, um, and so I think, you know, I really, um, felt that from your family. I really felt that from you. And, uh, there were, you know, just customs, just, you know, uh, it would come out in little ways. Uh, but there was just so much pride in, uh, everything from how we were setting the table to what was on the table, how you presented the, the, the salsa and the cheese and, you know, the tortillas, everything was just so beautiful. So I'm just wondering um, if you can talk to us a little bit more about sort of um, indigenous food and food ways and really that that's connected to our culture, that's connected to how our economies were structured, that's connected to our spirituality, that's connected to, you know, just our livelihood and our health. And it was really through colonization and through the centuries of white supremacy that existed that we now have what we have now, which is a disconnect uh, between those things. And, um, you know, so how do we decolonize and really even more so go the step further and indigenize our food and our food ways. Yeah. Um, I think, I think for those that are able to, the first thing that we should do is, is look to our family recipes. Um, Mm -hmm. So we can connect to our um, ancestry in a very like uh, 
first person way you know what I mean Um, and food has that magic where like it transports you so like if you eat something like some frijoles today like that's the same way that like my great-grandmother made them you know so we're synchronicity um so i think we need to do that first if we can is is really dive into like the foods that that are that our family made and then if it's not necessarily the best type of foods you know because not all of us have access to like fresh ingredients um then we need to see how we can take that and make it to where it when we eat it it makes us feel good you know um and then I feel like that then leads you to like, once you, once you focus on the immediate, then it kind of leads you to, okay, what else is out there? How does your family do it? You know, how does your mom do it? Or how does your neighbor do it or whatever? And then your circle keeps growing until you're just like, how was it done 500 years ago? You know, like mm-hmm. how did, how did we go? How did we grow corn and, and squash and like beans together? How did that work? So it's all about, um, and then it, 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 it all makes sense in the end you know what happened 500 years ago it's still relevant today like we can still use um growing methods and 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 food way methods and and just being like resourceful and 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 not be wasteful um and using like if we're gonna eat um animal protein like we're gonna use all of it you know we're not gonna like throw out the hide and we're not gonna like discard the guts or whatever it's everything to pay respect to that to Mm -hmm. that like being that you like killed you know um yeah so I feel like really getting in tune with with what is yourself and how how food makes you feel I feel like for me um you know I wanted to learn like what my mom and my tia were making um and now as we're getting older um like my cousins are hitting me up you know how did my tia do this so we'll jump like on a zoom call and we'll like walk through the recipe and like that's just keeping like memory and and culture and and um your food ways alive you know yeah. and that to me is just like that um it, it can't be replaced you know yeah. that type of that type of knowledge um and again then that leads you back that leads you to how did how did the mexica how did the whoever you know whoever you identify with from mexico how did they do it yeah i mean I think it's it's a part of how my consciousness grew growing up, right? Like it was, um, you know, it wasn't something like even going and and sitting with your family at a at a cemetery and and having a full on beautiful lunch and brunch and you know, um, it wasn't something that I had to see in uh, no shade to the to the kids movie. What's the kids movies called? Coco. Coco, no shade to Coco, because I I like Coco, but I did it firsthand, you know, with you all. That's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. And especially now, everybody watch out for like cultural appropriation for Halloween and and Dia de los Muertos and all that stuff, you know, like it's not a movie to us. Like that's just like, it's not, it's not glamorous or whatever. It's just like, it's life. You know what I mean? And that's what we do. And I remember that particular night when we went to the cemetery, Mary, um, with my tia, like we took... um, pan dulce and like guayabas and like coffee I think and like it was it was a picnic other than like we were at the cemetery and like we were chilling amongst like thousands of bodies but we were having a picnic and we were connecting and we were singing and we watched the sun go down like that's that's what it's about yeah and that was you know sort of that's a practice that's been in place for hundreds and hundreds of years yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's not Um, it's not after cocoa Right. Uh, and also what's interesting is uh, you were also the first family that I knew that had a computer, right? Like Hat a big old desktop fancy. computer. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and so it's just, it, it was, you know, so um, uh, here goes uh, Joe's word, monumental. It was okay, so yeah. monumental <laughs> to be around y'all. He calls me Monumental Mary. Uh, monumental Mary. It was so monumental to be around you all because yeah. it was like I was learning all of these things. And in a place, you know, like not that we don't have our own customs in the country I come from, but, you know, really our history and our culture uh, has really been um, decimated mm. uh, because um, 
for for many reasons, colonization, white supremacy, mm. uh, the way the government has handled um, the erasure of indigenous and black people in our country, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and most recently, you know, the um, uh, civil war that was, you know, um, over ten years, and so. Uh, it, it's really been beautiful to to see all of these things through through the lens of of your family, um, and I think that you know it's it's something that's so layered, and that I've seen you grow over years, um, and so yeah, it, it's just it's beautiful to watch. It really is um, because. You know, back in the day, it was more so just like, uh, I think you could make chilaquiles growing up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, who can? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't. <laughs> but I want to say we used to eat a lot of tacos. We used Heck to, yeah. Uh, eat a lot you of You anything in a like tortilla, cheese. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you now, keep bringing up cheese. You get down, get down. <laughs> Oh yeah, no. I mean, I mean, not to my horror. No, 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 not the not the But I, I mean, I cook like like I was taught to cook. You know what I mean? And that's like that's uh, like you talk about the cheese, and this is cheese that like my mom would bring from Mexico. We would go to Mexico every summer for like as soon as school was done. Like the next day, we were like on the flight. My mom and her three kids to Mexico. That's expensive. <laughs> you know what I mean for my mom, and but she worked that hard. You know, she worked that hard. And we were in Mexico the whole summer vacation. So when we come back, like we would leave like a lot of our clothes at the rancho, you know, because it's like we need space in our luggage to put the cheese. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> and, and the cheese are huge, right? Yeah, they're like big rounds. But this is made like with my grandpa's cow's milk. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're like they're they're forming them and they're drying them and they're doing all that. So it's like that's that is what. Um, I want to convey in my food. And that's what inspires me is just like um, that freaking cheese, you know? Yeah. But, <laughs> but just like yeah. the process, like who has cows at home and can do that, you know, yeah. like now. And that's, that goes back to what we were talking about, Joe, is like, you know, going back to those, to those food ways, you know, and like reclaiming and doing all that. Right. Word. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you talked about, uh, colonization, you talked about, um, you know, cultural appropriation. One of the things we continuously see is like the hyper gentrification. And with that, the disappearance of local businesses, um, you got more and more people moving into neighborhoods um, and gentrification is on the rise. And because of that, you got like a lot of mom and pop stores, um, family businesses going out of business. Um, how do you feel when you see gentrified taco uh, shops <laughs> pop up in your neighborhood? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm lucky enough that um, we don't have that yet. Okay. Uh, here here in the San Fernando Valley, where um, it's a small community. I mean, it's a big ass place, but it's a tight community, uh, like when it comes to food. So we're lucky enough that we have like literally taco trucks in every corner and they're mm-hmm. all bomb. And it's not even trucks. It's like people setting up with pop-ups and, and um, you know, just like, making tacos and they're you have the luxury mal. yeah with their comal and they're like the trompo to shave the pastor and everything like full-on restaurant in the street so we have the luxury of like let me go try one here let me go here and then go here that's beautiful and so i'm all for gentrification, if you will you know people are throwing that term around is like uplift my community but but let it be uplifted by the people that live here you know what right, i mean and let yeah. it be uplifted by the people that know like what, what we're all about and what our needs are and what what our, what our food needs are, you know? Um, so I'm all for it. I'm all for that. I'm not down like when somebody can has no idea is coming up in here and trying to like, be like, this is the way we teach you guys, you mm-hmm. know? And, I, and, yeah. I, and, and working like in the nonprofit sector, I've had a lot of like encounters with, with like cis, white males that are just like okay today we're gonna make tortillas and it's like no we're not gonna make fucking tortillas today you know what i mean <laughs> uh, so i get really angry uh, it, i gotta get, shut it down right? yeah, yeah, yeah i i get angry and then i let it be known that like no we're not gonna do that you know right. um 
because we've come too far. You know, I mean, mm. we've come too far and, and come on, like, we've come too far. Yes. And like, you, you don't, don't interrupt Mary, because luego se me olvida what I'm talking okay, about. Perdón, you know? perdón, <laughs> perdón, perdón, perdón. <laughs> At least my train of thought. Uh, no, but yeah, we, we've come a long way. You can't, you can't just like come up here and be like, this is how you make mole and this is how you do that. Um, especially like if you don't know how to pronounce the food right or if you don't take the time to know how to pronounce it um just like how you ask a person how do you want me to pronounce your name it's the same thing like how do you want me to pronounce your food if I'm gonna go and like make Indonesian food or what have you like I'm not gonna make some bullshit up and be like this is how you say it and do it um so yeah I get I get angry when people come up in here and try to do that um And I know it's 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 a bit more like evident in, in places like Boyle Heights and like LA and, and spots out there. Um, and the folks out there are angry and they're doing the work to like really keep those type of people out. But like some people just have what we say, no tienen vergüenza. They have no shame, mm. you know. They're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take there's a dude called Gringo Stacos or something like that. I mean, not to shout him out, but he's he's a gringo and he sits out like in LA. And people are like, no, you need to get out of here, you know? So they're doing the work out there too. And like, no shame. No, sorry. You said don't interrupt. Right, right, right. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that doesn't, it doesn't fly easily out here. Mm. Yeah. I was just thinking about, you know, you're just like a a food, a foodie. I come home and it could be anything What do you want? from... Like, right. I, I mean, one of the first things I always ask is like, which taco spot should I go to? And then you always send me a couple of different locations, but we always hit up some Ethiopian food, right? Yeah. Um, or we'll, I mean, it could be something simple as popcorn and you can put so much stuff by the end of the popcorn, so much stuff in the popcorn. You know the what? Popcorn you know what? Like a whole day meal. <laughs> no, but listen to this. I just bought some, remember I showed you that uh, Ethiopian spice butter? Mm -hmm. I bought it at the at the spot that we go to here in Lakey Terrace. And so mm -hmm. I've been popping my popcorn with it. Damn, it's, it's so good. good. Yeah, you're going to love it. <laughs> so good. And yeah, and so you're just like a creative, you know. This I love really popcorn. I'll eat it for dinner. Right. Yeah, she loves popcorn. Um, mm -hmm. I thought I loved popcorn, but like this is next level. Yeah, uh, we make it in the pan, right? Not like right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so don't ever take out a bag of popcorn. That's not how we do this. Hey, put I don't even have a microwave. Some though. kernels, <laughs> right? Put some kernels in a pan. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things that um, I think because growing up, it was always about um, you make food, you call people over. Yeah. And uh, uh, your kitchen, Guayaba Kitchen, really, uh, and your pop-ups really serve in this same sort of custom, right? And mm -hmm. um, I think it's called Senadurias. Senadurias, uh, yeah. And um, where meals are really sold out of your home and people get mm -hmm. to sort of be in your home and be in this kind of family environment and yeah. in this safe space, uh, to convivir and, you know, just really be with each other. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, I mean, tell us more about that. And then also, shit, now we're in COVID. So like, how did that change everything? And how are you running your business now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, Senadurias, again, like you were saying, it's like people sell food out of their home. Like they literally set out, like, usually there's like a, a tejaban or like a patio area and, and like mujeres will set up their tables and You know, they'll put like little condiments on their table, what have you. And it's like the typical, like greasy, like just like too many people have been sitting there for the night, you know, but it's like a, the woman is inside and she's cooking her food, you know, and it's usually like a niece or, or somebody that's out like bringing orders to like inside the kitchen. Um, and, and being from Colima, Mexico, there's a lot of senadurias um, and they set up at night, like for dinner. People make like typical dishes from Colima. So they'll make like sopitos and like pozole blanco and like enchiladas. And like that's what Colima is known for. And so everybody's like, I swear I got the best recipe. So come to my house and come try it. Um, so there's senadorias everywhere, all over the city. You're just walking and they're there. So I like that. I like that concept of like, come to my house and let me feed you. Um, and it's very like limited, the people that can be here. So it's not like a restaurant where there's like, murmurs and like talking and all that kind of stuff like just really loud 
this is like you're at home and you're eating, right? Um, so we were we were doing those out of our house and we were doing really well. People were responding and it was all like our plant-based, uh, our menu, you know? So we would do like a, a pozole. We did sopitos, like plant-based sopitos. And my mom like handmade the tortillas. Um, we've made enchiladas, just like different things. And people are down, like people have been coming and, and they were like sitting out in the patio and just like eating, you know, um, we would make chilaquiles. Um, and so it was cool. It was going, it was fine. Like I was like, um, at that time I was teaching, um, I was teaching culinary classes with, with another org. And I was like, you know, I'm going to leave this job. I'm going to like, I'm going to focus 100% on Guayaba kitchen because like people are responding really well. Like, you know, people are really enjoying the food and they're coming out and it's cool. Like, I'm excited. Let's do this. And so I quit my job. I said, fuck you guys. Like, I'm going to do my thing. Like, I love teaching. <laughs> I love, I love like the center, but like, I got to do, I got to do this for me, you know? And so I did it and then boom, fucking everybody's sick, you know? All right, COVID-19. Uh, COVID-9 motherfucking teen is right here. And I'm just <laughs> like... <laughs> I just quit my job. Like, you know what uh, I mean? Um, and uh, what am I going to do? Um, and for a long time, we didn't do anything. I feel like a lot of people, we, like, we were just like trying to figure it out. And like, mm-hmm. how, where do I take this? You know, because my whole business is based on being around people, you know, feeding mm-hmm. people um, and just being in large crowds. You know, we would get like people would wait in line and sorry for like a long time. You know what I mean? And that, that made me be like, wow, people are willing to like stand here just to try my food. You know? Yeah. I mean, I would see it on the gram. There would be a line out the door at this pop-up, this specific yeah. pop-up out the door and around the corner to yeah, come and taste your food. And it's not even like me again, like being like a, tooting my own horn or, or what have you. I feel like we need to like, if we feel like we're doing well, we need to like let ourselves know that you're doing well and then let other people know as well, you know? Yeah. So people were, people were down and I was like, damn, like this is, this is just like food that I make, you know? This is just like stuff that I was taught to do and like for people to be like super open to it and just like understand it. So I'm like, yeah, so I left my job and then so this happens and now I'm like, I didn't do anything for a while. Like I was just trying to figure it out. Um, and then we started doing like uh, um, classes online and, and, and we were getting a really good response with that. So I'm like, okay, okay. So it was just about like trying to figure out what works, you know? Um, so now what we do um, for our pop-ups, um, they're all curbside pickup and, and they're, um, they're, prepared in a safe way. You know, I've been in the industry for 10 years and, and I've worked in like professional kitchens. So it's not like I'm just like throwing shit up in the air and, and fall in a plate. You know what I mean? I'm making sure everything's safe. Um, and so we take appointment times on, and people come and they drive up and they text me, Hey, I'm here. And then we walk out and give them like in full gear, you know, the face mask, the face shield and the mask and everything and gloves and we hand them their food. And that's like our new, our new normal now um we're not able to to service as many people mm-hmm. um because again we don't want to create like a, a traffic or like any kind of hazard outside because i am doing this out of my home um and uh that's how that's what we're doing now and it's it's going well um and i'm getting like a you know I, i'm doing more virtual stuff you know um stuff that uh, that i would partner up with different orgs um that i would do in person we're now doing online um, so it's just, we're just adjusting, but it's going well. And I'm, I'm, I'm just like super happy and excited and just like, um, grateful for like people that just come out and, and like what they're, what, what they're eating. Nice. Nice. So chef, um, who are you inspired by in the culinary world? <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> You know, growing up, I always, I, we didn't have cable. I know even though Mary thinks we were fancy because we had a computer, we didn't have cable. Y'all had a computer. Listen, y'all had a computer. I remember, um, I mean, just everything I learned both. That was all my mom, dude. That was all my mom. Like she fucking worked like 12 hours a day, every day. Just so, cause she had nothing, you know what I mean? Like she worked, she grew up in a rancho. Like she didn't even see a television. She was like 19 years old. Um, So she had nothing. So 
I feel like when she was able to get something, like she would get it, you know? So she's like, let me get some new couches. Let me buy right, right. y'all had a pool. Listen, we had a, pool, we had, yeah. um, a bunch but of we stuff to rich. do, like beating, you know? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We Obviously. used to like make uh, necklaces. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Like uh, yeah. I learned how to knit from your mom. Uh-huh. Uh, or was it your mom? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah my knit, mom. Or what is it? Uh, is crocheting. It or crocheting. Crocheting. Um, and it, yeah, just all of those things. It was. Yeah. Being over there was like a like your mind was constantly. <laughs> yeah, and so I mean, I I don't I never realized that you know because it was just like normal to me you know. But it's like, despite all the madness going on at home, like my mom held it together, you know, and she's like, I've always wanted this since I was a kid. So I'm gonna get it, you know? And so, yeah. What was the question again? See, I forgot. <laughs> Sorry, I, know, I, mean, I want the people to know all the world we lived in. So we wanted to I know, know um, like who in the culinary world oh, yeah. inspires you. Yeah, that's right. So we didn't have cable. Like <laughs> so like, I didn't get to watch like Food Network or whatever, but I we did have PBS and I love the shit out of PBS, like public broadcasting mm-hmm. station. Um, so we watched like Sesame Street and then that would turn into like Rainbow. And then it was like, eventually like at two o'clock, it was like Julia Child. And I was like, yes, you know, okay. I loved Julia Child. I loved her because she was like, I mean, she was funny, but she was like big and she was burly and she was like, I'm gonna make this fucking whatever. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's so cool. And she had her own show. So I thought she was so cool. So when I would cook like because I'm the eldest female in the in the family, which uh-huh. means like I had to take care of my younger siblings. Um, so I would make them like lunch or dinner or whatever. And um, not dinner, breakfast or lunch. And um, and so I was pretending like I was doing a child, you know, like doing this and doing that. So she was like my number one. But now I'm like so super in love with uh, Samin Nasrat. I don't know if y'all are familiar with her. Yes, she's um, actually from the Bay. She's from the Bay. Oh, okay. Um, okay, okay. And she's a chef too. And she she gets down. Like her food is amazing. And, and she's a writer for the New York Times. Um, and she's just like, a, she comes off as like a really super cool person. But like her writing is is like amazing. And, and she's super approachable. And her food is just like... Um, open to, to many things like she's not like just one thing you know so yeah right now Samin Nasra is my gal okay. yeah Sweet. and check her out on the Netflix uh what is it salt acid heat yeah, 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 yeah. something fat, something fat. I always I yeah. always like mix them up um but it's based on her book yeah that and she also has a podcast that she's she's really good in and just like I I dove into a rabbit hole YouTube rabbit hole last night um, I was looking for her a uh, famous uh, tuna, uh, se llama? sandwich salad, salad, tuna salad. Um, but I want to be able to make it with chickpeas. So I'm like, I'm going to use her base. I mean, because she's like olives and like tomatoes and, mm. and Persian cucumbers and all kinds of stuff. Dill. I was like, I'm going to use her base, but like, I'm going to use something else. She's bad. She's Wait, badass. Nice. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. 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 And growing up and still now, like, you're a writer and you're like a, a singer. And mm-hmm. I mean, how, why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> I, like, people are going to think like I go like out to, I don't, I'm not a singer. Like I sing oh, well, I don't, myself. Okay. We grew up doing like musical theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I love all that we're, shit. We're like the solo singer on stage <laughs> but um, we try to sing mary remember when we, when we yeah i could never dancing. hold the yeah we were trying like, to do listen, basic stuff mary can't hold a note i cannot I, hold a note so we try and do and i'm like mary row, mary row, row your boat out. and then she would start row 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 your boat and then, then she'd follow time, me she'd, you know like, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're singing the same song at the same time i'm like no mary no I know. But, yeah, I, I suck. But anyways, <laughs> I say all that to say that there were uh you have all of these gifts and all of these um you know different sort of talents and um things that you know in your world are very normal and you now have a um a son, Diego, uh mm-hmm. Sunny DT. Um, DT. Yeah, and so just curious to hear just his relationship with food and then just like <laughs> all of the things that he does as well. Uh, and, you know. man. I mean, he is set. He's six years old. He's going to be seven this December. 
And um, when he was a baby, he would just like love to eat like anything. He was just excited to like it be something other than like milk. Um, so he was down. But I now that he's like grown into himself, he chooses what he likes and he doesn't like, which is always changing. And I don't know if other parents go through this too, but like my kid, there's times where he'll like eat, you know, lentejas, lentils for like ever and he's down and then I'll make them again. And he's like, I don't like them. They're too mushy or whatever. Like this morning I made him, um, or last night I soaked some oats. Cause I'm like, I'm going to make him some oatmeal in the morning. Um, and he's usually really cool with it, whatever. And so I gave him some this morning and he was like, I don't like it. I'm like, why not? Because it's too mushy. I'm like, this is the way that I always make it. He's like, well, I don't like it. I'm like, okay, well, let me make you this whole ass other breakfast. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so he's used to like, like I'm, try- I'm just trying to figure him out because he's not me. You know what I mean? He's not like, he doesn't have the same uh, 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 like gustos as me, you know? Like he has other likes and he has like other preferences. So he's really into eating spam and rice. Like that's his thing. He loves yeah. spam and rice um uh he loves lentils um and he'll love any kind of fruit and as long as it's crunchy and any kind of veggie también um but he's like slowly been eating other things and I'm like oh wow okay like I made in frijoladas the other day which are like enchiladas but instead of like a chile sauce you dip it in black beans and you just roll it up um and I don't put anything in it usually you put like cheese or whatever and he ate it and I was like yes so the beans, I'll cook them with like tons of herbs and like tons of like garlic and onions. So they're like super food, you know what I mean? So he's eating them now with like chips or like on tostadas. So it's just a matter of like slowly introducing like new things. Like he ate sopa de fideo, like people call it sopita. Um, and I didn't think he was going to like it and he was down. So yeah, I'm slowly just trying to introduce him to little things, but like me as a kid, I don't remember being picky. Like I would just eat whatever, you know? <laughs> so he's so fancy. He's like, I don't like this. So then I have to like, oh God, okay, well, what am I going to make? You know? <laughs> and so I'm always like, like this with him. He's my like harshest critic. <laughs> GT. <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, we love you. He's like, ah, oh, it's a little mushy. Uh, yeah, mm, it's a little spicy or right. mm, uh, there's like green stuff in it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think, you know, uh, I, I don't really know how to cook. Uh, not on that level. I always ask you for recipes. Uh, my most recent and favorite is um, the one you gave me, the banh mi's. Um, oh, yummy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they turned out amazing, bomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for uh, folks who don't I, see themselves as um, a G in the kitchen, or for folks who don't see themselves as uh, really talented in that area, what, what's your advice? Get you a cookbook. I mean, it's it's cool to like you could. I mean, obviously, take advantage of YouTube and just like watch the heck out of like whatever you're gonna make. But like, if you find a good cookbook, especially from like somebody that you really like their style, you know, like you can get some Nasrat's cookbook, um, and just start with that. Like, reading a recipe is like, I'm not gonna say it's easy because it's not. Um, you have to first learn how to read it and how to like execute it. You know what I mean? But if you get you a good book that you can like make notes on. Because again, a, a, a recipe is, is not like set in stone, right? It's like kind of like a, like a roadmap, but you can go wherever you want with it. So if you have a little book, um, then you write, you write it down, you write like those edits down and, um, and you just make it to the point where you don't need even, you don't even need the recipe, you know? Um, but also like ask, hit up your homies, hit up your whoever, you know, that you like their cooking hey, can you jump on a call? Can you show me really quick? Like I'll Venmo you and I'll buy you all the ingredients and just like hook me up with a quick lesson. And most of the time um, people are going to be like, okay, let's do it. Yeah, I remember uh, I really like this guy and we had been dating for a while and I uh, <laughs> let's not give particular details, um, but I hit you up and I was just like, yo, <laughs> like uh, I said I was going to cook. Like, what do I cook? And 
I think I can't remember what the exact recipe was, or maybe I can, but I don't want to give out the details. Uh-huh. Um, in case they're listening. <laughs> right. In case they're listening. <laughs> they're um, like, hey, that's what have... she made for me. Right. Um, <laughs> but you were just like, yeah, do this, then do this, then do this. And like, this is your garnish and this is how you serve it. And Damn. I tell you, it was a good night. It was a good night. <laughs> Look, now y'all done took it too far with these faces. Okay. No, 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 no. I meant like he liked the food. He liked the food. He, he liked, liked the food. food. So yes, All hit right, your I'm homies dark. up for recipes. Yes. Um, yeah. Cool. A lot of times, like some of us, like, well, you know, you can ask your friend just to screenshot like a your, your favorite recipe or something from from their favorite book, and that's always cool too, because then you can just kind of get into it. I have one more question. Um, mm-hmm. So you talked about the new norm or whatnot. Um, what does what does Guayaba Kitchen look like in 2021? And then with that, how can we support you? Like, you know, how can the people help you? Reach yeah, I mean, 2021 is going to be more like trying to figure out, you know what I mean? Because like we were talking about before we even started recording, um, we were saying that like we're doing all this work. But like, there's no, there's no like groundwork to lay like or to base it off of, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So we're we're literally like writing, writing the process out right now, you know. Um, so we're gonna keep we're gonna keep offering food um, and seasonal foods, you know. We're gonna keep uh, surveying the people and, and what they feel safe with. But eventually, I would like to open up and and have like small private um, safe uh, dinners. Mm-hmm. Um, and just keep like conver- the conversation going, you know. I mean, and 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 they're always open and um and like prioritized to the people in my immediate community, um because I like to hear what everyone around me has to say. So uh, yeah, I, I want to host more 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 dinners, and I want to keep uh, um, finding a balance between my sc- my 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 son's schoolwork and, and my work because I work from home. And he's schooling from home. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't want to be like tossing and turning and cooking up when he's like trying to learn like, you know, Roman numerals or what have you. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be um, trying to find that balance between like my family life that's always here at home mm-hmm. um, and my work, which is based out of my home. Cool. Sweet. And then how can we but support I'm, you? Yeah. I mean, check me out on Instagram if y'all are ever um, in town hit me up. Um, yeah, check us out, uh, take our classes, uh, support the organizations that, 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 um, that support me and support us as Guayaba Kitchen. Um, and there's a lot of cool folks out here in the Valley, um, that, that are always pushing us and that are doing amazing work too, you know, like, a um, Tia Chucha Centro Cultural in Silmar and we have El Hormiguero in Pacoima and just like different orgs here that, that hype me, um, Check them out too, you know, because we're all we're all connected. If they do well, then I do well. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sweet. And what's that Instagram? Guayaba Kitchen. Guayaba, hey. just how it sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guayaba. Check us out uh-huh. on our pl- all platforms. But I'm most active on Instagram. I try to post like just like food that we're making and and stuff that I'm doing with my students or stuff that I made for my son or like occasionally I'll post a picture of one of my chihuahuas. Um, so yeah, it's a good time. Sweet. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank yes. you. Thank you. And Thank you, so grateful for you. Love you, friend. Yeah, I love um, you too, friend. And uh yeah, we will be um back with the juice. Uh <laughs> but for now, make sure you uh hit up Instagram and go follow Guayaba Kitchen. Thank mm-hmm. y'all. Peace out. Thank you. Peace. <laughs> What a blessing that was to have my homegirl, my sister, who really single-handedly made sure I went to college, talk to us about um, her culinary genius, because I sure don't got it. I mean, I really don't have it. (laughs) My friends. (laughs) Yeah. The homies know me for making some bomb-ass modified mofungal. (laughs) Like, all my stuff is modified. (laughs) Um, Anyway... Super happy that uh, she joined us. We're now going to move on to the juice uh, where we know that um, we have to give 
So much love to everyone who's been turning out for early voting. Early voting numbers this year are like the Astounding. High, astounding. Come on, yes. adjectives. Um, 46.7 million have voted nationwide. And uh, there's still 12 days left until election day. So if there's early voting in your city, get out and vote. Don't wait till election day. I know we all want to wait. I know we all want to get stickers. I hear they're not giving stickers this year because of COVID. So go early voting. Um, Here in New Orleans, we have until the 27th or in Louisiana, we have until the 27th. So like, let's make it happen. Um, 46.7 million. That's dope. Yeah, it is. Dope. It's actually 30% of the total number of votes casted in the 2016 election. So when you think about early voting, like people really are doing a great job at this. I guess, you know, like you and myself, Mary, tired of what's going on, um, tired of taking a backseat and are looking, you know, for a brighter future. So shout out to everybody, the mail-in ballots, especially those people that are coming in droves for the, with in-person voting, like in-person voting is over 13 million right now. So when you think about COVID, as you mentioned, Mary, and people having to stand in line for long periods of time, it just shows that, you know, the commitment is real and that people are looking for a change. So shout out to everybody. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, here here in Louisiana, here in Orleans Parish, we know that uh, Black women are like out there, right? And uh, setting that pace as always. Uh, We have, um, you know, at least 23 million people who have voted in battleground states. Uh, Amazing work is being done in Arizona uh, by one of my good friends, Luis Avila, shout out to him. Um, And so, yeah, let's leave it all out on the field. Let's leave it all out on, um, you know, on those blocks, you know, uh, people are out there holding signs uh, and really working the local elections too, right? Because while uh, we're working the federal and, you know, the national elections, there's a lot of local elections. And so, uh, you know, please, while you can, uh, turn out and do the early voting. Um, So, I mean, one thing that I do want to say and that I want us all to walk into the next 12 days with our eyes open. Uh, what was that movie? Eyes wide open. I, I mean, I, I didn't actually see it. I think it was like, it was rated R and I was like still PG, but uh, yeah, my, my parents weren't playing those games. They'd be like, huh? Uh, <laughs> um, anyway. Um, but yeah, you know, really walking into the, this last leg of the election cycle and knowing that um, it, it's very possible that we may go into the end of, um, you know, election day and we won't see the end of the result, right? right? Knowing that we may not have all the votes counted on that day. Mm-hmm. We know that on that day, um, you know, it's, uh, we we may have... Um, the current president declare himself the winner over Twitter. You know, uh, we know that, uh, you know, just this is the type of stuff we invade other countries for, right? This is type of stuff is, it's called a coup. Um, and so, um, unless, Tell you what know, a coup is. Tell what a coup is. right. I mean, unless Trump wins here, listen, unless Trump win, he's very likely to deny the election results mm-hmm. or to declare, um, himself the winner. So, Absolutely. I think, yeah, I said that right, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, The GLP, uh, you know, we're we're attacking mail ballots. So it's mm, a lot of people ain't voted. And a lot of people's votes won't count. Um, But shout out to states like Georgia, who in response of that, um, showed up, stayed in line for like 10 plus hours to vote. 
Um, yeah, I saw Texas too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Texas, we know Florida. that battleground states are are looking good right now mm-hmm. in terms of the number of people who have gone out to vote. Um, but now we just need to make sure that they're counted, right? And we know that if this looks like a coup, then we want to say what it actually is, right? Absolutely. We want to make sure that. Uh, we're not acting, you know, alone. Uh, we want to make sure that we're organizing and moving people into the streets. We, um, you know, as far as like, what can you do right now? You got to get out the vote. You know, you have to encourage other people to vote. And if people mm-hmm. also don't want to vote, you know, uh, I think being in conversation with them, a lot of young people feel disconnected from this process right now, right? Right. Uh, and, you know, I think really being clear about like, um, our shared values that this is not about parties. This is not about anything that's partisan. This is about, um, what we know, um, and it's deeper than just the presidential candidates. There are a lot of things from state to state on the ballot. So understanding your ballot, um, understanding that, okay, you might not want to go ahead and vote for president, but there are going to be some things in in everyone's state that applies to everyone. So I'd rather, I know just me, I'd rather go ahead and vote and say my vote counted towards something than to be on the back end complaining why certain things got passed. Facts. Yeah, facts. And I, I think back to this you know, uh, we do spend a lot of time on the national elections and especially, you know, the presidency. Uh, and we just want to make sure that, um, you know, folks are prepared. Folks are um, also getting ready for what potentially may come. And uh, in the movement world and organizing, um, you know, we're, we're preparing for all different scenarios. Um, and so, you know, that's what we do. That's how we strategize. And that's how we keep uh, ourselves and our people safe. So uh, hope that is helpful. Um, again, the purpose of, of that was really to uh, show love to the folks who have turned out the vote early. Okay, cool. Well, what I want to encourage everybody this week to do with the Rising Ritual is just to love yourself and to know that you're making it and to know that, you know, you're trying your best and um, that there is love and support and community out there for anything that you're dealing with. One of the resources that I want to highlight this week is uh, for Black and Brown girls who are working on the sobriety. There is these groups that's called Sober Black Girl Club and Sober Brown Girl Club on IG. Uh, And they just give you some like dope bomb information, which I feel like, you know, while I'm not steady working on sobriety in that way, uh, it's helpful because I am trying to cut back on my drinking. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they just give you cool stories, cool resources, and to really, you know, trust the bigger picture that sobriety doesn't look like you just go cold turkey one day, but really that it's, um, it's more circular, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's not a linear process. It's something that, you know, like an everyday walk of life. Yeah, it's messy, yeah, right? Absolutely. And so, um, yeah, check them out. It's all good, and know that you know you are loved, you are cared for, and you are seen. Definitely, and thank you, Mary, for highlighting that. Um, I think it's something we all can be mindful of. Every little thing helps, especially in these COVID times. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. And there you have it. Thank you for listening to the Black and Brown Get Down. Uh, Listen and make sure that you're rating us. Like, if you're not rating us, come on, fam. Get to it. Subscribe, download. Yeah, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. What's the uh, the new thing called? Stitcher? Stitcher, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stitcher. I know. Listen, I'm, I'm getting old. I just want to stick with the apple. Um, Anyway, leave us a review uh, if you enjoyed the podcast. If you didn't, um, I mean, you know, bye. Don't leave us a review. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, also share some feedback. If you like something, if you want something added. All right. Tell us what it is. Tell us what's up. Slide in our DMs if you have any questions or if you want to recommend the guests and follow us on Instagram at the Black and Brown Get Down. We love you. We're grateful for you and take care of yourself. Peace. Peace and love, y'all.